Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we have finally reached money in the bank season as that show goes down this Saturday from Las Vegas, Nevada, at the intimate confines of the MGM Grand Gardens Arena. And before we dive into all things money in the bank, I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for Von Wagner and the wise man himself, and noted Golden State Warriors hater, as he had to endure the parade to in all parades last week. I bring to you, as always, Salt T. Scott Young, welcome back. Hey, that's not sticking. Let me tell you that, because that's, <laughs> that's got way too good of a ring to it. That's not sticking, Salty Scott Young. Oh, my gosh. That is... Um, first of all, I hate basketball still. And I want to point that out because of the boss. So, Gigi, again, everything was good. And then, you, you, you know, beef. You, you tagged me in a parade post. What, what is going on here, man? Garrett Gonzalez, we got beef, dude. We still got beef another week, another one. A week, another one. So I still hate basketball, but I'm back again because I got to get paid. I still got to buy formula. The tribal chief is a hungry boy, so I'm back. But I will say this. The guest we have this week, you know, he does bring a joy to my heart. Uh, listening to one of his other podcasts, you know, he has a love for for a comic book character who I also have a strong passion for, Nightwing, Dick Grayson. So I, this kind of eases the 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 blow um, since it's normally a pleasure chopping it up with you and talking all things WWE, Keela, but we have beef too. Blame Gigi. Okay, indirect beef for the next, what, month or two until the NBA season starts and the beef kind of resets itself for the next calendar year and you won't hate me as much, <laughs> right? Until the Warriors win again. <sighs> Look, I'm going to tell you like this. Either, wait a minute, what did you say the Warriors win again? You tried to slip that in without me catching too. No, I will say this. Either the Warriors getting eliminated from playoff contention or I got to get, you know, the Miz to win a WWE championship. So you pick your poison. Oh, God. Why would you do this to me? The Miz as WWE champion again. He ain't got to be WWE champion. I'll take IC title. U.S. title. Allowed. It's allowed. <laughs> I'll take it. He can beat theory for all I care. I will allow it on this one occasion. But fortunately, we are not alone today as we now have a seasoned vet, a full-blooded member of the Fike Media family starring alongside us this week. I bring to you our special guest co-host, Jeremy Finestone. Welcome back, Jeremy. Wow, I had to wait for that entrance after that lovely banter about basketball. Thank <laughs> you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Scott, I appreciate the uh, the nerd alert shout out that we had uh, talking about the podcast that I do with our uh, our favorite J.D. Oliva mm -hmm. called Parallel Earth. We, uh, we talked about George Perez, and then he does a number of interviews with some up-and-coming creators. We also have a New Japan video podcast that we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'm happy to talk about WWE because I picked a good week to talk about WWE proper and not WWE corporate, and that makes me happy. 
It is a relief to know it's a quiet week on the corporate front of WWE. No scandals erupted this week, but that can always change come this week. So let's hope that things stay quiet heading into Money in the Bank as we go back to Monday Night Raw. And very quickly, let's discuss Vince McMahon's random ass cameo as he just had to get that vanity pop one more time to remind the audience that guess what, y'all? John Cena is coming back this Monday even though we've seen ads for it in the last three weeks. So Scott, what do you think about Vince coming out there one more time, getting a hero's welcome in Nebraska? (laughs) It's not funny, right? It's not funny, but he's literally just rubbing it in everyone's face. Like he's, he's literally asking us, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Look at this. It doesn't matter where I go, what I say, what I do. This is the reaction and the welcome I get. What happened? What are you talking about? There's no scandal. I'm Vince McMahon. There's no scandal. Like, this is, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how to explain it. Like, if you look on any type of social media, all you see is, oh, Vince McMahon is a scumbag. Vince McMahon is this. Vince McMahon is that. And he may be all that. All those things and more. But every time that dude comes out in an arena, you see hands bowing, you see people to their feet, people are going crazy. He starts throwing the hands around and, you know, everybody's excited. And he all he has, to, he just, he says nothing. He comes out and he says nothing now and, and people love him. So this is where we're at. And so he gets literally thrown behind bars and even, even then he might get a hero's welcome if they showed him on the jumbotron in a in an orange jumpsuit or something. Even then, he might get applause. But this is where we're at because Vince McMahon, the character, is still a legacy character. The person is a scumbag. He is who he is. Everybody knows who he is. But the character, I I just think people can't separate the man from the character. And the character is just going to get that type of admiration going forward. Absolutely bonkers. And just think that when you buy a ticket to Monday Night Raw and you sit there at the two and a half hour mark wondering, wow, this is boring. Just remember, you're cheering for a guy that makes his show so much harder to watch, but yet you love him nonetheless. And therefore, he would die in the chair, like you said many years ago. So, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Vince going out there for that Vanity Pop to let you know that you can't touch me for now? Ma- Man, at three minutes, I said we weren't going to talk about corporate. At a six minute, we're talking about hey, Keila, Keila does that. She did that on purpose. That was 100%. Said, let, me, let me flip this script real quick. You don't want to talk corporate. The, the word in her head was pivot. Right, 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 right. And, and she all does right, it so smooth, right. too. So you know all right. know it. Yeah. So what Vince came out on Friday and what he came out last Friday and when he came out this past Monday, those were not things that he needed to be the one to announce coming out. It was mystifying why he came out, except if you think about it from a corporate standpoint, going out in front of the WWE audience and standing in that ring is essentially his main safe place in the world. And for him to go out there to that ring and get the applause in the audience is his biggest ammunition to the corporate board to say, hey, you need to keep me around. Like, I am the heart and soul of this place. And I'm not necessarily sure that's going to work out for him. But that's the that's the takeaway I'm getting from it 
because this is a, this is a grandstanding display uh, for people that aren't us, and we're just having to sit there and take it because, well, I think all of us agree that there are different rules for different people in society, and we are part of one set of rules, while the other set of rules are mainly ignored and done as they please, and we'll see how it goes for Vince McMahon, but... Yeah, this this wasn't for us. This was this was a game being played on a higher level, and we were just there for the show. And what a show it was! And Karma almost came to collect Vince, and he tripped and fell almost. So, like, yeah, try that shit again and see what happens to you, sir, with your cheap pop having ass. But Jeremy, I had to pay you back because remember that time that Scott and I vowed not to talk about Don Wagner, and you brought him up. <laughs> And you had to drag his ass into this conversation. Payback has come you know, for you, sir. Like well, you think that that's the only time that's going to come up today, too. <laughs> <laughs> the only time? Yeah, right. I, I, I'm locked and loaded here, guys. Come on. Come on. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I, got, I got work to do to keep well, Welcome back. Legit. Welcome back to Thank the show. Thank you. Yes, Thank it's you. been a while. I took, I took, took a little bit of a break and... uh figured I'd come back fresh and uh, ready for some hot takes and some old callbacks that people will find somewhat amusing if they don't listen to the old shows. <laughs> yes, we are now canon, if you can believe it or not. We got enough episodes to back it up as we transition to our lead story this week, which is a change to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view going down this Saturday. It was supposed to be Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship, but that was changed due to Rhea being out due to a medical issue. She Instagrammed that it might have been a head injury and she did have some dental work done recently so she's not cleared to compete next Saturday which sucks so of course we go by our old standby a multi-person match to determine Bianca's opponent for the pay-per-view this weekend and the challengers were Liv Morgan, Carmella Becky Lynch Asuka and I believe I'm forgetting one other person ah yes Alexa Bliss who Becky Lynch has a beef with dating back to Money in the Bank roughly four years ago when Alexa climbed the ladder to grab the briefcase just before Becky had the chance to do so and the Fatal Five Way was very good nice action throughout and ultimately Carmella superkick Liv Morgan to win the match and earn a right to face Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship at Money in the Bank now I got a strange case of deja vu because around this time last year right before wwe resumed live touring it was supposed to be bianca versus bailey in an i quit match at money in the bank bailey tears acl the match is canceled and then we get bianca versus carmella on the first live smackdown on fox and well over two years in front of a live audience and now here we go again this year with Bianca Belair, Carmella Part 5, a match you've seen a lot over the SmackDown Women's Championship in the last year or so. And I know it was an emergency situation, but really we could not pick anyone else for this match, even though money in the bank is the draw, Jeremy. No, you actually couldn't. If you look at the roster, they don't have anybody. Uh, you got to protect Becky. She's She's got a long-term plan, and there are conversations to be had about that otherwise, but we're talking about Bianca and Carmella. It is an absolute tragedy that uh, Rhea is unable to do this match, but her health does come first. And uh, it does feel like Bianca's momentum as a champion seems to be constantly snake bit. 
But I think she can overcome it. I think this match will be serviceable. Hopefully Carmella can impress some people because she hasn't had either the opportunity or it feels like the inclination to do so. But I'm glad she's not in the actual Money in the Bank match. That's been overdone to death. So, you know, that that leaves two two matches in which I feel like the right people are in both matches or two matches in which all of the setup so far seem to be appropriately logged. That is very true. And as you mentioned, they don't have a lot of options, which is a primary problem with the WWE and lack of backup plans, which is very apparent up and down this roster. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on Carmella versus Bianca part six heading into Money in the Bank this Saturday over the Raw Women's Championship? You know, the way you laid that out, Keela, if this was SummerSlam, I would almost say that Bailey was going to return, lay out Carmella and take her spot and kind of play off of what happened last year since she was supposed to have that spot anyway. You could do that at Money in the Bank and and have a real big-time match. Bailey would have to win. You know, do you do that to Bianca again? But the way you laid that out, I think you you got an opportunity to do something there. Or maybe Bailey just comes out. I don't know, man, but... There's a there's something there, and I, I, the way you laid that out, they're not going to do that, obviously, because it's too well thought out, too well laid out. That, but I I love what you did, and I think Bailey coming out and replacing Carmelo be a nice touch, nice story touch right there. As far as the Rhea Ripley thing, of course, no one wants to see anybody get hurt. Injuries suck. This is probably the best thing that could have happened because that match should not be happening at Money in the Bank. I know they Agreed. try to make that match bigger than what it is, but or that pay per view bigger than what it is or live event, whatever. But that is a that I've been I've been clamoring on this on this show since I've been on here. That's a WrestleMania main event. Not not a WrestleMania match. That's a WrestleMania main event. Bianca versus Rhea Ripley for the title. And you can do it at SummerSlam too, but it shouldn't be happening at anywhere except SummerSlam or WrestleMania. And if if she can't go, I this is the best thing that could have happened. You extend that match. Carmella in the match, ah, it is what it is. I'm I'm kind of with Jeremy. It doesn't really bother me that much. It it's just a it's just a way for Bianca to get a solid win. I'm glad it's not Alexa Alexa uh, Bliss because I think it's too soon to be putting her in title matches. You can kind of build her up a little bit and and really kind of make the moment feel a little bit better. I'm glad it's not Liv Morgan because I'm. I'm over the Liv Morgan train. I, I almost would have went back to Dewdrop again just because no matter how many times I see it, her scooping up Dewdrop and just walking around with her will never get old. But I don't mind the Carmella thing. It's not it's not it's better than Zelina Vega. I'll go there. Yeah, I go there as well. I think that's fair. I'm just like, I saw this last year. I saw this last year. I don't want to see it again, but I understand circumstances happen and you're absolutely right. I think Rhea and Bianca would have happened too soon at Money in the Bank. This is a SummerSlam and or WrestleMania match. And I really hope in some center of my soul that Bailey does return before the end of the summer to play off the Bianca feud once and for all. That's a nice stopgap between whenever Rhea comes back as well, because you want to save that match for WrestleMania, preferably. And I hope that WWE plays into that in the next couple of months because it's long awaited with Bailey's return. It's been almost a year, a year too long. I know some injury setbacks have taken place, but she can be a true asset to this roster moving forward. 
I got a, I got one more thing to add to that is that uh, one of the things that WWE does, and you can look right back to the Cody and Seth uh, feud, is they go back to things. They go back to it until it's dead. And so the, there is a small blessing here that they could not do the Rhea-Bianca match because I'm going to bet you right now, we'll never know for sure, but it would have been an inconclusive finish going into another match at SummerSlam. And it's better this way that it's not going to be some type of buildup. And then you have something fresh and like you, you got lucky kind of thing. Rhea just yelling that at her. You got lucky, but your luck's about to run out. That's a much better build I, to a match rather than some kind of inconclusive where she almost got her or she almost lost, but a chair or, or a disqualification. I don't want to see that. I want to see a legitimate competition match between these two. Agreed. And I guess we got a table edges revenge for a while as well, because I expected shenanigans during this matchup. I wanted a Beth Phoenix cameo. That's not happening. So maybe it'll go down, perhaps at the Warrior Rumble. You never know if WWE chooses to wait that long as well. As we move on to art, what we witnessed on Monday between Elias and Ezekiel was art. It was a cinematic masterpiece. It was Great editing by WWE that they found a beard that fit Ezekiel's face that looked real, even new, even though we knew it wasn't real. It was a fake beard. The camera work, the split screen, the green screen, all of it was great. And poor Kevin Owens witnessed Elias in the ring during his concert saying that this was the magic of technology. You and your brother sitting side by side. No, this is a lie. I've seen dinosaurs fly helicopters in the last week or so in a the movie theater. This isn't real. And so he goes in the ring and the smart thing to do would be to simply rip the fake beard off of Elias's face. But oh no, let's go for the attack. Let's go for the guitar. And then Elias knee checks him with a jumping knee strike, followed by a guitar smash to the back. And Kevin Owens is just losing it backstage. He's crying. Kevin Patrick interviews him backstage and he still doesn't know what to do as Ezekiel walks up on him. And Kevin wants Ezekiel, Elias, Aeroid, the third brother of this family, and he sits in a chair by a table and he just melts down. And this was great work by Kevin Owens and even better work by Elias and Ezekiel playing these dual parts, just really mind fucking Kevin Owens. The gaslighting has been fantastic. One of the really good storylines going on in WWE today. I don't know how it's going to end, but the execution thus far has been very good. And I have got to pop off this joke. And that Elias's beard, according to someone I saw on Twitter, the beard was more believable than every wig Tyler Perry ever used in his television shows or movies. And I laughed because it was a fact. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on Elias, his concert, Kevin Owens getting gaslit by Ezekiel and Elias at the exact same time? Well, first of all. I'm here for the Tyler Perry references. I'm all, I'm all for that. You know, I, I, I definitely enjoyed the first couple of Medea movies. Uh, the last 26, though, have not been good. But those first couple, those are solid movies, Tyler. Solid yes, movies. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, you can, I, the rest of them, you can just spread them out and hand them out because I don't want them. Um, all right. The, the Elias and Ezekiel thing. I, 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 I'm torn on it because I, I feel like I'm growing tired of it. And I honestly, 
watching that really just made me want Elias back. Like I, I really just want Elias back. And I think he could I think he could be doing a lot as Elias. Ezekiel sucks. You know, the the, the Zeke freak sucks. <laughs> like he gotta go. And I I this is I feel like Kevin Owens coming off the Stone Cold thing. It's you know, at first I was like, you know, it's fine. And he's just doing this to to get give him something to do. And but now it's like they're really running with this to like I feel like they're gonna do a tag match at SummerSlam where it's Ezekiel and Elias versus Kevin Owens and somebody. I don't know. Or it's I I I don't think I'm as as high on this as some other people have. I, I've, it seems like a lot of people enjoyed it, but I. I, I think I'm over the Ezekiel. I'm over Ezekiel. I'm here for Elias. Let him keep the fake beard and just do the strum, just strum away and insult people. But I'm over Ezekiel, and I I'm ready for Kevin Owens to move on to bigger and better things. And I gotta agree. I've been feeling this way for some time. Elias is great, and what's crazy? I think I mentioned this maybe a few weeks ago on the show. In that Ezekiel, the wrestler, has improved, but he lacks charisma. If you slap the beard on him and be Elias, <laughs> guess amazing. what? You, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's amazing. You put a beard on this guy, and it's like, whoa, there's my powers back. I'm back. Here we go. Like, like it's magical. World? His charisma pops right back up via a beard. It's the strangest thing. The beard makes him a complete performer. He is a good wrestler, but he's generic wrestler from 2K22. If he has the beard and the ponytail, he is a complete worker that can now get over via his personality and his in-ring work, which is remarkable. So they need to definitely melt these two together, call it a day, because Ezekiel as Elias fully will be a star. So Jeremy, what are your thoughts on the Elias concert and Kevin Owens' freak out through all of it? (laughs) It's fun listening to you guys because I'm like, you know, I don't really agree, but I kind of do. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not for everybody. But the fact of the matter is they managed to pull this off. Like, this is not a conversation about what a failure of an angle this is. The conversation you two are having is whether you liked it or not. The fact that we're not having a conversation that this is a failure of a segment is like, I got to tip my cap to WWE because you heard this ahead of time and you're like, what the hell is this going to be? And then you watched it and it was way better, way better than anything that we had any right to expect. They were able to incorporate the video and cut it together and make it look seamless. And they timed the run-ins between Ezekiel and Elias and threw in the joke about Elrod. This whole thing should have sucked, and it did not. And up to this point, we've given a lot of credit, a lot of credit to Kevin Owens for making this work. This is the week where Kevin Owens and Ezekiel, Elias, whatever his real name is, because that's the name I feel like I should be using right now. Uh, they re- 
they really brought it all together. And I hope the takeaway to this is not we should lean in more and do this all the time because I don't think they can keep this up all the time. But for a concept and pushing the boundaries of a wrestling show and trying something new and actually having a measure of success, I have to applaud WWE and the creative for doing something different and making it work. It has been very clever so far, and Kevin Owens is the MVP of making this work. And to follow up WrestleMania against Stone Cold Steve Austin, he said, this is the peak for me. It, it's all downhill from here. But somehow, some way, he makes this gimmick work with Elias and Ezekiel. And as we've mentioned, just put the two together. Boom, Elias, complete wrestler that can work with a beard. Let's go. But Kevin makes it so much fun. And I cannot wait to see how this angle wraps up because we've been doing this since the night after WrestleMania. And we are pushing the three-month mark. And we need to move on quickly, heading into the end of the summer. As we segue to Bobby Lashley running the gauntlet. If he runs through Chad Gable, Otis, and Austin Theory, he will earn a shot at the United his championship at Money in the Bank this weekend. And I thought Bobby was really impressive in all three matches. I thought his match against Chad Gable was really good. Chad has some moments in there where he always shows why he's one of the best workers in WWE today. Otis was a hoss as always. He did not get the pinfall or lose, so they're protecting him. And Theory comes out after the Alpha Academy beat up Bobby for a bit, wears him out, and Theory tries to take advantage with the a, with the A-Town down, but Bobby counters with a beautiful cradle for the win. I thought that was a great finish. Bobby is ready to go for money in the bank. I think he should win the U.S. Championship if WWE plans to pair Theory with Cena starting next week, potentially. I don't love the idea, because Cena's going to smoke this guy on the mic in every way, but hey, it's a way to push Theory in some direction, but Bobby definitely needs a championship. He is a top star, a top star on this show. The reactions have been very favorable to him since Hell in a Cell, actually. So I think he definitely needs the title to be one of the true standout stars on Monday Night Raw. So Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Bobby running the gauntlet and getting a shot at the U.S. Championship at Money in the Bank? I'm going to give you my two points real quick and then let you guys take this one since we're going a little uh, behind. But this is the best Bobby match, Bobby Lashley showcase match that I think he's had in his entire run in the WWE. It was a babyface match. He was made to look strong. He was given a variety of opponents and he was able to work with everyone in a way that made him look main event. And it's also funny because you're watching this and this is a WWE show with a top baby face and he won definitively in all these ways. And then you look and you think about it and you're just like, they could do this all the time and they don't, but they have to with him. And it's so much better that they are. That is so true. And I thought that was probably one of Bobby's better matches, too, that just let him be a star. And he made everybody shine from Chad to Otis to Theory, even in the defeat. He looked great on Monday and he can be what he was as WWE champion around this time last year. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on Bobby and his potential of being the next United States champion? Uh, man, I um, part of me says I think it's a great move, you know, He's a top tier babyface on the brand, I, you know, arguably the top babyface on Raw, um, since especially with Cody gone. But if he wins that U.S. title, that means he's not going after Roman. 
then and I, that's that's the match I want, and that's the match I feel like, like he just held up a WWE title like a, what a month ago, and he was like pointing at it like I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. He ain't, where'd he go? Who was he coming to? Because he wasn't coming for Roman, obviously. I I don't understand why you have someone getting so much momentum and just building this 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 groundswell and and getting the support that you want your top babyface to get and especially a guy like Lashley who you've been pushing hard I, you know I don't the man makes the title and he'll definitely elevate the title but I just feel like him versus Roman was the move and I I think we're just that's a missed opportunity to not have him versus Roman at some point now on the other hand if you know this is a long way down the road but Bobby Lashley versus Gunther sounds like a lot of fun at Survivor Series. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely here for that. If that's going to be, you know, if he's going to keep the title and just be the champion on Raw since Roman's going to fluctuate, I'm okay with that. If you're going to make Bobby the guy, I mean the guy, where he's just going through everyone, Cena, any returning star, if Drew wants to come over, if he's going through everybody, I'm here for that. But if this is just, you know, something for Bobby to do, I feel like we're at a missed opportunity that Bobby's not facing Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. It does feel like something for Bobby to do and to get the title off of theory right. to right. queer to queer the way. It feels like checking off boxes rather than making him a priority, but I'm glad at least while checking off the boxes, they made him look good. And that's a plus. And I'm very mixed as well. When he held up the championship at Hell in a Cell, I was very encouraged. And then they pivoted to theory. Definitely a choice. He held up a championship. Not the championship we wanted him to have, but it's a championship nonetheless. And WWE is trying to strategize and see what are the biggest matches for Roman Reigns. And it's still Bobby versus Roman. That is a viable option for SummerSlam. If the ops to go in that direction, they call Brock and said, hey, are you busy? He says, no, how much you're paying? And then he shows up and we have a last man standing match. It is what it is, and tickets have moved in Nashville over the last week or so, so that matchup has elicited interest interest in WWE fans once again, and that's good, but I think that Bobby would have been a better option, but there's still time. I still hope we get that matchup down the road because we have not seen Bobby versus Roman properly in a singles match since both guys have been champion in the last couple of years or so. And now it is time to talk about the main event of Monday Night Raw, which was set on the books before the Fatal Five-Way match that kicked off the show. It was Becky Lynch versus Asuka in a Money in the Bank qualifying match. Very good matches always between the two, but we've seen it a lot on TV over the last few months. And I feel like WWE had to do some pivoting when it comes to this rivalry not taking place on pay-per-view beforehand and having all of this play out on television. I get it, but the match quality is always strong. And Monday was no exception as they gave it to each other. Asuka with those strikes once again, the spinning back fist repeatedly to Becky Lynch and the German suplex followed by the hip attack was fantastic. And Asuka rocks Becky with a kick, knocks her out and she wins. I could not believe it. I thought that Becky was going to score the win, but Asuka moves on to the Money in the Bank ladder match. She is a former Miss Money in the Bank from a couple of years ago by winning the championship outright when Becky stepped away to go on maternity leave. And Becky had a meltdown at ringside, flipping flipping tables almost like her husband, Seth Rollins, when he thought he had no path to WrestleMania. She cried. She pouted to wrap up Monday Night Raw. 
And I think she's starting to hit the rock bottom. We mentioned a few weeks ago when she lost to Dana Brooke over the 24-7 championship. But I hope that WWE doesn't rehab Becky by having her find a way to money in the bank. I don't want that to happen. I need this character to hit the bottom, the lowest of lows. How low can you go with this character? That's what I want to see heading into the next few months. We want the ultimate redemption story for Becky Lynch, and I don't want her redeemed at Money in the Bank. But what are your thoughts on that, Scott, as we talk about Becky still spiraling, even though she had a shot to get into Money in the Bank, not once, but twice? I think I'm on the other end of that. I kind of, I want Becky to keep losing. Like I, I, she, I feel like she needs to just keep inching closer and like taking two steps forward to fall five steps backwards. Like I, I, I'm. I want her to. I want her to go to Money in the Bank. I want her to be at the very end of the match and be holding the briefcase when whoever wins it throws her off the ladder. Like I. I think that's how you continue this. And then the end shot is her on the floor, just just distraught as she watches the Money in the Bank walk right by her, holding it up in her face, taunting her. I. I, I think that's. That's where we can how we continue this spiral, or you you double down. You have her and Seth Rollins win the money in the banks. They both carry it, and when she cashes in, she loses, and that sets her on a whole nother you know a whole nother spiral down. So I, I'm actually this is a good thing to have with Becky Lynch because you can do it the way I said. You could do it the way you said, Keela. Like they have a multitude of ways they can go with Becky Lynch and this is a good thing. Now they they have to be smart about this because I, the end game still has to be Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. So you you event you have to get the sympathy. You know, you have to get people to be like, "God dang, she really can't catch a break." So I I think she needs to continue losing and continue getting closer and closer because the crowd kind of wants to get behind her. So let her keep inching closer and and just falling short. And then, you know, the, the meltdown and then we'll she's she's still got to cut that promo. And once we get that promo, I think we'll be good to go. But I, I want to see her continue to lose matches. Me too. I want her to lose. I want her to cry, break down, just be broken. Becky Lynch. So, Jeremy, do you agree that Becky needs to keep losing, be a loser, be the losingest loser on Monday Night Raw? Yes. Keep losing. Keep the story going. Do you know how many? Do you know how many times she's won since WrestleMania? Both of you, give me a guess right now. Oh, and probably three times. Okay, what do you got, Keila? I got five. She's won once. Ooh. She's only won once since WrestleMania, and it was on. Uh, it was in May, May twenty third. She beat Asuka. She lost every triple threat, every house match everything they are committed to a long-term story here that is gonna go all the way to wrestlemania and if i had to guess i think it's going to be the power of the fans that is going to give her the strength to start winning and becoming uh the man becky lynch again the way that she uh the way that she's been rather than big time Beck. i uh that's generally the sense that i have and if it were it were me 
I would wait until at least Clash in the Castle to turn it around for her in a way that feels like she has a nine-month build to get herself back. You can use Survivor Series as a way to heat her up against the rest of the roster again, the way that uh, was in the past. She's got a lot of opportunities. Um, I don't know if it's better for her to be a face or a heel going into next WrestleMania, because there, there's a lot of stuff that you could navigate going there. My my instinct says she should be the biggest baby face on one end of the uh, end of the roster in a title match. But, you know, they WWE talks about how no wrestler should be bigger than the brand and that they try and tell stories that the audience is into. But their biggest successes are when they do long-term, long-form stories where they're invested in certain superstars. They were doing it with Cody. They're doing it with Becky. They're doing it with Roman. You can argue that they're doing it with Riddle. So, you know, they feed us a line one way, and then they tell us with their stories in another way. I think what they're doing with Becky right now is the right plan because you need some way for her to organically become the biggest babyface again and coming to a synergistic relationship with the fans probably feels like the best way to do it. Yeah, there is time to rehab this. I think the fans still want to cheer for Becky. They're still very mixed in their reactions to her. They have turned a bit in the last couple of months, which is good. But, you know, a lot of damage was done with the ill-conceived hill turn. It has worked out in the end. But when the fans are going to root for you, they're going to cheer for you regardless. And hopefully she can win them back over with one promo. That's all it takes for her to win those fans back heading into next year's WrestleMania. Because I think she has one great baby baby face run in her to be back to where she was several years ago. As we transition to NXT 2.0, going down taped this past Tuesday from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And a few weeks ago, Apollo Crews returned to the multicolored brand. And it was a great return. Cut a really good promo on Braun Breaker. Tease a future NXT Championship match that I would love to see between the two. And he had a great tag team match alongside Silas Sequoia versus Grayson Waller and the A-Champion Carmelo Hayes. And in the last few weeks, we have seen noted vigilante and equalizer Apollo Crews imagining ways to kick people's asses. It's a unique cinematic strategy that I don't completely understand. And I think this is a this might be doing too much to get the new Apollo Crews over. It's a bit extra for me, a bit all over the place. And I don't know how this is going to play long term. So, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on this angle of Apollo Crews being the equalizer, beating up people who cause trouble in diners or in alleys in the middle of the night? You know, I think there's a few people that are taking this away to think that Apollo is the good guy in this. That's not things that good guys do. Uh, There are ways to handle business, but the way that they're narratively telling this, where he's playing this out in his head, and then he's going and taking matters into his own hands, uh, it it sounds good, and they're setting up these scenarios where it, it seems like he's doing the right thing, but these aren't this is like the punisher you know this isn't like the punisher doesn't isn't a hero that that that's the part of this that i'm like "Mm, i'm not sure if he's supposed to be the one we're cheering even though like you look at it like man what he's a good guy he's stopping the bad guys from doing what they're doing it's like that doesn't necessarily make you a good guy either 
Uh, but they needed to do something to get him away from uh, his African roots gimmick, which I, yeah, so I'll take this. <laughs> I'll take a hero complex over that. Um, they're getting creative. Uh I it is somewhat disappointing that this is the most attention and love that Apollo Crews has gotten uh, legitimately like taking him seriously as a character in his entire run. Uh, he deserves better. But as for the whole thing, time will tell. I'm just I'm not sure he's the good guy. That is a good point. We shall see. I think this is the best Apollo Crews has been in what six years he was called up way too soon from nxt this is the redo the remix so to speak i'm here for it but the character switch up is better than being a nigerian prince with the fake accent alongside commander aziz so scott do you think this is a step up or a step down for apollo cruz and how can he pull this off in the ring eventually when it's time to stop fighting bad guys in his imagination so, you know, essentially what we got going on here is what's happened in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, he's he's uh, what's it called? Daywalking. Is he daywalking uh, or dreamwalking? I think where, where they were they dreaming and then they're walking in another uh, multiverse. So essentially what he's doing is he's beating this man up in another multiverse while he's thinking about it in this universe. So what's going to happen is we're going to have the Apollo uh, from Earth six, six ones. No, actually, Earth. Three, two, five. We're gonna have that Apollo do the the dream walking, and he'll be the one controlling the Apollo we see wrestling here on our Earth. Are you confused? Because this entire thing makes just about as much sense as what I just said. What are we doing? We just had this dude have one of the best freaking returns in NXT where people treated him like a legend just came back, and now we got this guy like um, having imaginary fights. Like, what is he going to do when he gets in the ring? Are him and Joe Gacy going to sit down Indian style and have a mind battle? Are they going to have a force fight? Like, what is going on? I've been watching a lot of Star Wars. Are they going to have a force battle and try to move things? Like, what? Why can't why can't people just be themselves and just be like? Why can't he just be a badass? Like, why, like, like why, why can't he just be that? Like, why does he have to have, like, powers? Like, why he gotta, why does 2.0 always, like, I, I want, I want a podcast where it's just Scott asking, why? 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 <laughs> like, and, I, and I feel like these are basic, simple questions that they should be asking before this stuff gets on TV, but... You know, you know, but again, why aren't they asking these questions? <laughs> why? Yeah, I just want to know why. <laughs> good, good question. And it, legitimately good. You know, I, I, I mean, like, it's, I, it just and it makes me upset because of the hero's welcome he got. I think that's what just boggles me. It's like, just just run with you that. Have to get, you have to get past that. Everybody that comes into NXT, it doesn't matter if they're a face or a heel, they're stars. So they come in and it's like, OK, get it out of your system, guys. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll go with whatever we're going to do. Right. Like right. those fans are triggered for a star. They're like, oh, crap. We didn't pay anything to get in here. We just saw a star. So that's basically what we're working with there. You know, we had nice things three <laughs> weeks ago. Apollo Cruz was back. He was over. He was happy. 
happy. He put in one of the best in the ring performances of his career. And then Captain's Log, start date yeah. 261. And I'm at a diner trying to wonder my purpose in life. Oh, wait, I am a vigilante for no goddamn reason. Let me imaginarily kick this man's ass and then pretend it didn't happen. And then let me go in an alley and then beat up more people and then pretend it didn't happen. We are doing too much with people who just need to be professional wrestlers and badasses that can get over on their own merit. But oh no, let's give Apollo Crews another dumbass gimmick that will water him down even more. <sighs> Do you feel better now? <laughs> I feel better, but I'm still irritated. I fair. Why, why wouldn't you be? <laughs> the the word of the day why <laughs> why is this happening we don't know Shawn Michaels is bored and that, that's all I, I was thinking as this segment was going on is why why I, I want to think that when this concept was pitched it was a different idea and that it turned into this and that's why it is what it is that's, that's the best I got you know, like you, you pitch something and then go through five people and then all of a sudden this is this is where we're at on TV. And that's just bad. Oh, goodness. But on another note, I think all of our spidey senses were tingling during Wesley's promo this past Tuesday on NXT as he talked about his best friend and brother leaving him several months ago as he is now a former two-time NXT tag team champion and he misses his best bud and Trick Williams comes out there to say you are a terrible friend you ain't shit essentially and Wesley says well you're basically a hype guy for a friend that apparently you care about hyping up more than yourself and they got into it a little bit which was very spicy and nice but I feel like that NXT 2.0 were dropping breadcrumbs and hints towards your potential return of Nash Carter, who was fired by WWE in the last few months or so. And ironically enough, this this fan base in Orlando, who have been anti-MSK for a bit, not all of them, but a portion of the audience, now misses the tag team. The irony of it all, now you cheer after all of this time. So I see a world of potential in Wesley being a great single star, but if you're bringing back his tag team partner, I'm all for that as well. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on Wesley's potential as a single star and the Tia Leafs, you know, stirring a little bit with Nash Carter possibly coming back because WWE does not drop hints for nothing? I'm just not quite as high on Wesley, man. I, I think he's really good in ring. He cut a really good promo. Do I think he can do this every week when he doesn't have something this like this thick to really dive into? I I don't like I, I don't I don't think he has this in him to do this every week. You know, when he doesn't have like this is this is great material to 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 draw from. You know, you have a real like I I don't have that type of faith. Now, if if you ask me about if Trick Williams could come out and cut a promo about freaking wet bread and make and make me care about it, then I'd be like, yeah, like that's the guy with the star potential in this entire segment is Trick Williams, and I, everybody knows that. Like you can you just watch this guy and you're like, I I can't take my eyes off him. I got to see what he's talking about, you know. And if he if his in ring work ever gets to just half as good as the way he can he can just talk to people and the way he was just antagonizing Wesley 
Like in the way he just like he just makes you so amazed. Like yo, just dive out there and drop kick this man. You know, like that's what you're waiting on Wesley to do, and that's because of Trick. Trick is the man that really stood out to me in this entire thing. Wesley's great. I hope the tag team comes back because that's where he's going to thrive the most to me. And I could I could eat crow on this. You know, I you know, I'm I'm the same guy who hates the Warriors. So, you know, I'm all about eating some crow. So, who knows what I'm talking about, right? But I do know this. Trick Williams is that guy, and he can talk anybody into a building. So, if he ever gets that wrestling up to par, he'll have a job mm-hmm. for life. For sure. I love Trick Williams. On site, his first appearance on 2.0, he was nervous. He talked a mile a minute, but I saw his potential. He's got the gift for Gab. If he gets the wrestling together, he is going to be a star. I truly believe that. And Wesley, we had the kind of similar conversation with... I believe Nathan Fraser a couple of weeks ago, his potential as well. And I'm not opposed to them being lifetime tag team champions, partners, whatever. But I do see something more for them. But of course, Vince has got to be out of power because we know how he feels about size and height in WWE. But if you want to be a tag team specialist, that's A-OK with me. As long as you're on TV and delivering classics, I don't care. So, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Wesley's promo and the aspects the prospects of nash carter possibly returning to wwe based on all the hints they dropped on nxt this past tuesday did uh did you guys hear the air horn that said like nash carter's name during the show because that sure seemed like what i was hearing was just nash carter nash carter nash carter coming back (laughs) yeah so i was just watching this and i was just like okay uh it's been like three months since this dude has been gone and (laughs) they're going back to him and so Wesley has been spotlighted in a tag team scenario and having some level of success with Sangha Nathan Frazier anybody else uh was there anybody else that he was like kind of getting partnered up with trying to feel out the water I think it was only those two I feel like he did something with Chin Okay, yeah, all right. So they were they were testing the water. They the potential for Wesley by us as fans is far greater than I feel the potential of him that the WWE management sees in him as a singles wrestler. I think that enough time has died down that they are seriously considering bringing back Nash. Uh Otherwise, these conversations wouldn't be coming up. There's probably going to be some type of PLE event where he shows up to rescue Wesley. And, you know, I I can't say that I'm against the idea because there's a lot to why that individual was released. And a lot of it feels knee jerk. And he's kept himself out of the spotlight. Nothing else has come up. And so... I I do feel in some situations there there should be an opportunity for a go back and another chance and I feel like that chance will help Wesley as well because MSK was a fun tag team and they were going places despite being held back and having campaigns against them by fans and family and just unfortunate stuff you know you just think about it like this is. You want people to succeed, but you also want to make sure that they're held accountable for bad decisions. But bad decisions being held accountable doesn't mean the rest of your life should be ruined. There is a balance there, and sometimes we lose sight of that. 
With all that being said, I like the idea of Trick Williams and Carmelo uh, Carmelo Hayes versus MSK maybe down the line for uh, an NSK take uh, not takeover but whatever before SummerSlam if they're going to do that. I feel like the one coming up in a couple weeks, the Great American Bash, might be too early, but maybe they will. Who knows? Uh, but as for his potential. He's got a lot more than uh, the rest of that NFT roster right now. Definitely. And we can kind of see the evaluations unfolding on TV as to who's eating losses as of late. And Wesley's potential is much better than some people like Zion Quinn, for example, and do cuss it, unfortunately, because those were a couple of rough weeks for them on NXT recently. As we move on to the main event of NXT 2.0 this past Tuesday, featuring Tony D'Angelo versus the aforementioned Carmelo Hayes, the A champion fighting over the NXT North American Championship. And it was Mob Wars 2022 all over again as we got Legato and stacks and two dimes and two dimes his last appearance on this show because he was released by WWE after these tapings. And I thought this was a fine match. It's a weird heel versus heel dynamic. It happened some Sometimes, but I thought that both men carry themselves very well. Tony D'Angelo has a ways to go, but he's got a world of potential and I like that for him and the end of this match was really clever as Tony D'Angelo hits one of his patented suplexes on Carmelo Hayes he tells Santos Escobar hand me the brass knucks and Santos presents the brass knucks and he slides them directly to Carmelo Hayes behind the referee's back and it's a great move I loved the selling on Santos's face realizing I know what I'm doing I'm fucking you over and I'm proud of it. And Carmelo decks Tony D'Angelo, beats him to retain the championship. And I just loved the visual stare down of Santos realizing what he's done, not caring, and giving Tony D'Angelo the business. That was a great way to wrap up the show. This might be the shortest mob wars ever due to two, sta- two, due to two dimes being gone. But hey, I enjoyed it for what it was. So Jeremy, what are your thoughts on the main event and the ongoing mob war between Legato and Tony D'Angelo? <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I didn't think it was going to be a lot of fun going into it. I haven't been totally sold on the crime family wars going on between Santos Escobar uh, and Legado del Fantasma and Tony D'Angelo's crew. But, you know, gosh darn it. They're coming through with something fun here. Uh, I have really enjoyed Santos Escobar uh, more than anybody else in this whole feud. Uh, I don't think it's too unfortunate that two dime is now only can afford two pennies but uh mm. hopefully he'll be back in a, in a year you know so he can you know have a couple of nickels until he gets two dimes again mm. uh that's that's my hope for him because i guess it was procedural for some bad behavior that they didn't have to disclose because it didn't go viral on the internet first but that is the uh that is the scuttlebutt for that one Otherwise, though, man, it was such a such a style clash to see Legato Del Fantasmo come out in their gear and then have uh, Tony D'Angelo's crew follow them out. And they have the flair with the with the thick tackles and the shoulders. And the other two are coming out like uh, just a couple of greasers. And you're just like, shouldn't work. Really shouldn't work. But it seems like it's working right now. Uh <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I would have. It was up there as one of my favorite matches of the week. 
Yeah, it was really good and fun. And I'm not here for mob wars usually, but this one is acceptable because Tony D'Angelo is a great gangster and I appreciate him for that. And I just wonder when Legato became gangsters in the last three months. And I, I did not know they had that side business going on, but apparently they do. And they're collaborating with Tony for now, but I don't expect that partnership to last too much longer. So Scott, what are your thoughts on the main event as Mob Wars 2022 continues? I think we'll see this match on Monday Night Raw in two or three years. And I legitimately mean that. I fully expect Carmelo Hayes, Tony D. I even think Legato, Del Fantasma, the entire group is all still going to be like, I. this is all to me, this is what you want to see. Like this, this looks good. Like this works for TV. This is good TV. There are characters, you know, there's, there's stuff that you can, you can build off of. So I fully expect this to is be something that we see down the road on a main roster show. The match was good. Um, again, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams stand out more than anybody else on this show. They, those guys are they're stars, man. Like there's nothing. There's no other way of putting it. And they stand out in a good way. And I'm I'm ready for them to to move on to do more. I'm ready for more from them. Yes, about time. And I expect more and they will do more together eventually, which I really enjoy. We're seeing two guys really grow before our eyes. And Tony D'Angelo has had what less than 20 matches under his belt in the last year or so. And he's grown so much and he's going to only continue to get better with more experience working on the road and eventually the main roster as well. And Carmelo has got next in every way. And Santos should be on the main roster. We don't know if WWE is ever going to go there, but you really have three talented guys and I'm not even counting Carlos um, Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilder really good as well because they can be a standout tag team if NXT pushes them in that direction in a more consistent basis. But all in all, another solid NXT. I made the vow maybe six months ago that this show would be in a better place by June. We're almost at the end of the month. I think I'm right. The show has been less herky-jerky, less crazy lately, and I appreciate that. But we got one more bit of NXT business to attend to, which is NXT UK. And on Tuesday's show, we saw Brooks Jensen versus Von Wagner. A standard match, not very flashy, not very good. And the hand, I don't know if it was a dominant hand that Brooks uses at night, was used as a, I don't know, it was that hand that was injured in this match, but he lost nonetheless to Von Wagner. But just two days later, through the magic of technology and space and time, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs appear on NXT UK. And the NXT UK Tag Team Champions had to vacate the titles due to injury. So Brooks and Dunn put in a multi-person tag team match. And guess what? They won the <laughs> NXT UK tag team titles. What in the hell? Why? To quote Scott, my tag team partner, why did this happen? Man, um, so... It, it, oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> Brooks and Dunn, okay? They about to take these beautiful titles down some old dirt road all because they believe that they can cross the pond and, and just... Sh- First of all, they just showed up and was like, yo, we getting the shot? Is it because they're the biggest... 
are they that big? Is everyone in, in the UK that small? Like, they look like monsters out there. That's the first thing I noticed. Secondly, the match was awful. That's just, you, you're trying to be way too nice, Keela. We ain't got nobody from NXT UK listening to this show. That match was awful. It was not good. Um, D, uh, D Familia, they're very good. I like them. I, I enjoyed every time I saw everything I saw from them, but the match was not good. I have no idea what's going on with them. Who thought that was a good idea? Fallon Henley, I guess she decided to show up, so Coyote Ugly was there too. What what in the world's going on with NXT UK? I know I heard Paul Fontaine talking about um, they're they're bringing a lot of 2.0 people, but to do that, though, that was a decision. And Keela, you hit it on the head. This is why you are my tag team partner. Why? Just Why? (laughs) You know, we've had some prolific NXT tag team champions. Mustache Mountain. Fantastic. Grizzled, grizzled young veterans. Fantastic. Imperium, goddammit. Fantastic. And now we have a part of this illustrious list of now NXT UK champions, Brooks and Dunn. <sighs> what a downfall NXT UK has gone under. They have gone through NXT UK 2.0. And it's not pretty. So, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Brooks and Dunn bringing these UK tag team titles to 2.0 on Tuesday? And let's not forget, Pretty Deadly were damn good tag team champions as well at one point. But now we have Brooks and Dunn representing the United Kingdom. So, 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 so. I, uh, I watch NXT UK pretty regularly, and the tag team division is actually booked incredibly well. Uh, pretty Deadly lost the title to Mustache Mountain back in, I believe, November? And... Late last year. And so Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter have been chasing them uh, pretty consistently looking for their chance at the title. But Trent Seven has been constantly cheating to re- to keep their titles. They finally won last week or two weeks ago. But Ashton Smith tore his MCL and had to give up the titles. They were due for a pretty, pretty substantial run uh, as a people of color team in NXT UK. And NXT UK as a whole is basically just allowed to do its own little thing in its own little corner of the WWE universe. And if you saw Brooks and Dunn uh, in the aisle way with the rest of the NXT tag teams uh, getting ready for their match tonight, you saw why NXT UK exists in its own little corner of the world. They are not large wrestlers. They are they are learning their, their craft and their Picking a few from there to come on over. Does it make sense that those two won the title? No, but they saw an opportunity. They're they're trying to get these guys in NXT uh, seasoned and ready to go for the future. And they saw an opportunity to to put them in a position that most of us who feel like we watch it didn't quite sit right with us. But the dude tore his MCL. And they had a lot of options. Was it time to put it on D-Familia? Maybe, but I think they're the ones that are going to take it off of Briggs and Jensen anyway. So it wasn't a great match, like Scott said. Uh, Pardon my French, but shit happens. And (laughs) this was the decision that they made. It's not worth going nuts for, but it is interesting to see the pecking order 
in stark reality in terms of how NXT and NXT UK exist in the uh, the tiers. Jackoff Jensen shouldn't be winning any matches. Well, I mean, especially after what? Losing to Von Wagner two days before and the transitive properties. Von Wagner is greater than the entire <laughs> NXT UK tag division. So, And I also would like to point out that he uh, he does rock the Kevin Nash glove on his jackoff hand. You know, I I tried to explain to my wife as we were watching, like, so this guy, is a, uh, he's a virgin and... The rap on his hand is because uh, he heard it doing things by himself. And she just looked at me and she's like, all right. And that was it. Like, she's just like, <laughs> she just accepted it. She's like, all right. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's, it's, yeah. And I, I was slightly embarrassed. I think I think other people in our podcasting network have discussed their significant others uh, coming in and seeing things on the TV. You're just like, hmm. Mike's pretty cool. My significant other's pretty cool with all the crap I watch. She's brave. She is. She really is. And this is still sad that Brooks <laughs> and Dunn are the NXT UK tag team worst. champions. It's the worst decision NXT UK ever made. It, it, it could beautiful be. belts too, man. Mm-hmm. It could be. Gorgeous. But it's either that or they close the doors on NXT UK. And I'm not sure which one is the better option because there's a lot of good people in NXT UK, including Regal's kid, Charlie Dempsey. But, uh, but man, I can see why people are salty, like uh, Salty Scott over here on that one. <laughs> Listen. Hey. <laughs> hey. This, uh, this, uh, why? Why? I was just about to say, why? <laughs> why? Nah, you know I love you. I do. But I, I do have, a, I do have a, a strange feeling the, the Salty Scott is going to stick. Because there's, there's just a... Keela, I, again, Keela. Keela. This all falls back on you. You've been throwing shades at the beginning of this show. You even threw some at Jeremy when you, he was like, no corporate talk. First topic of the day. We got some corporate talk to get out the way. Oh, this man. all on Keela, Jeremy. She's wringing her hands. She's like, oh. <laughs> like that dude behind the tree. Like, oh, yeah, we're exactly. going. Exactly. We're ready. <laughs> Listen, you make it so easy. It just popped in my head, Salty Scott Young, and that will be your new nickname. It's christened as your go-to name moving forward. Change your Twitter handle now to Salty Scott Young. Salty Scott (sighs) Young still hates basketball. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The complete handle totally makes sense. But now we got to talk about something that was very salty on SmackDown this past (laughs) Friday night. That was fantastic. I'm going to do my best, was... best Scott here. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, hey, that was one hell of a transition, but things did get salty legitimately between Ronda Rousey and Natalia. And Natalia comes out cosplaying as Ronda Rousey from the makeup to the skirt to the jacket to the baby stroller. It was funny, but then when you look at the complete package, Natalia looked like a shrunk Ronda Rousey. She was so compact, and I didn't realize, wow, you are really short, Natty. My God. But she cuts a promo on Ronda saying that she has a superior submission. The sharpshooter is going to beat Ronda 
at Money in the Bank. She's going to win the SmackDown Women's Championship and send Ronda back to being a mom so she can take care of her daughter. Then the real Ronda Rousey comes out and Ronda Rousey, well, she has some things to say. She talked about Natalia's bosom saying that she didn't recognize her because her rack wasn't out. She claimed that Natalia had had plastic surgery to attain a love of beauty that's unachievable in today's society. I mean, I was floored by that line. I was like, damn. And then there was like a few dudes in the crowd saying, you suck, Rhonda, after she said that. Like, oh shit, this isn't going well. And then she says that the only way you can be the main attraction is if you dress like me. And then she goes for the jacket to rip off Natalia again <laughs> to a scrap. And Natalia hits Rhonda with the stroller. Rhonda pops up as if that wasn't nothing. And she stares down Natalia. And I was amazed by this segment because Ronda Rousey had the audacity to talk into a live mic and tell Natalia that she had no charisma. Ma'am, excuse me, miss. I talk in one tone, Ronda Rousey. You're talking about someone's lack of charisma. Now, granted, you bring charisma to your matches mostly, but on the mic, there is nothing charismatic about you, but I'm going to let that go. But the beauty shot line I thought was just a bit much for me. Cause listen, we know that this is a cosmetic driven business and sometimes people decide to get a nip and a tuck there. I am not here to judge. And I want to let Rhonda know this. You yourself came back at the Warrior Rumble and you covered yourself up because you knew this was a cosmetic business. You wanted to get yourself in shape for WrestleMania. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with natural beauty, but don't come for somebody and their bosom and their cheekbones and their ass because you don't want to do that. That's good for you. But people do what they do. I have no problem with it. I'm proud to say that sometimes I prefer people to be who they are. But if you want to fix up on yourself, you want to pay for your own shit, go right ahead. Who am I to judge? So I was not here for that line. I didn't care for it very much. And I just thought it was an okay segment. I thought Natalia was actually kind of hilarious during this and Ronda Rousey. Half of that promo could have stayed at home, but I'm going to let that go. But Jeremy, what are your thoughts on all of this that went down during a very salty segment of Friday Night Smackdown? There was a part of me that felt like I almost had to watch this again because it was so hard to pay attention to it when you're watching it the first time. Uh, there was a void of charisma on both of them. This is, this is, uh, how do I put this politely? This match feels like it's on the card to make sure that Rhonda stays busy until her next big thing. And good that they picked Natalia for this. But Natalia is at a certain place in the roster. She's not going to exceed that. Uh, they've already done this feud the first time that Rousey was around. And so they're they're going deep into the bag of tricks to make you feel like Natalia is a legitimate threat. Injuring her leg, getting the heat by dressing as her. Uh, it's not really working. And if I'm being honest, I kind of feel like Carmella has a better shot of beating Bianca Belair than I do Natalia beating Ronda Rousey. And that's... Uh, uh, that's not an easy thing to admit, but Natalia is what Natalia is. And 
I feel like the company would rather put a belt on Carmella than they would on Natalia. So when we're getting a somewhat main event segment in which they're trying to pass along Natalia dressing as Ronda, throwing a baby stroller at her and then running out and then telling you this is a musty match, not really doing it for me, got to be honest. Yeah, this is just a match to fill time on the card until Charlotte returns to resume her feud with Ronda Rousey heading into SummerSlam, if I had to guess. And Natalia, I have to be honest as well, she's not exactly the most charismatic person on the roster, but she has more than Ronda in the talking department, even though that's not saying much. But my Lord, what a segment. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on all of this that went down on SmackDown this past Friday? I think Ronda's been writing this down, preparing for this ever since Natalia and her have been having their little Twitter spat. Um, oh, their you know, Twitter stuff. Ugh. Yeah, so I'm sure Ron has been, oh, yeah, let me write this down. I got a, I got a good one for her when I get on the mic. They want to say I don't have no charisma. Wait till they hear me recite this line I practiced in my mirror before I came out here. Um, so as far as the Natalia thing goes, um, I, uh, um, I would, I hope Ronda just goes in there and it's like two moves and the match is over. Like that's, that's what this needs to be because it's like Jeremy said, that nobody's buying Natalia at all. And I'm, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think Carmella has uh, a 1000% greater chance of beating Bianca Belair than Natalia does of, of beating Ronda Rousey. I, I think there's zero possibility of that happening. Um, so this, again, this is fine. Long as Ronda bulldozes through her, like that's what needs to happen. And this doesn't need to be no 10 minute back and forth submission specialist. Let's see what type of holds we can exchange. Nah, you I don't, don't need that. You get don't in, know. get out. Let's, let's keep it moving. You know what I just realized? What's that? Come money in the bank show. You think someone might cash in? They, I, you know, every time that they do a Money in the Bank show, one of them cashes in within a day or two of the show, and then one of them holds the briefcase for a while. I mean, I don't know, but if it's going, we're going to get there at some point, but. The problem I, is, who, I, as, soon who as, I, as soon as in. I said it, yeah, as soon as I said it, I was like, Natalia has a better chance, like, I have to say it on the show that there is an outside possibility that I could be eating my words on that one. <laughs> well, I, well, and the, but the thing is, like, because you're right, there is the possibility of the money to been cash in, but then it becomes who who cashes in on Ronda that you want holding that victory over a Ronda Rousey? You don't want to waste that on a Becky. Does Bailey somehow return and get inserted in the match and win the and win the briefcase? You know that's something you could do. But you're right though, there is that possibility. There is well. that intrigue, and that's always interesting with main event matches around uh, around a Money in the Bank show, and because there's no men's title. You know, and there's two women's title matches. Paying attention to the way that card is laid out is going to be very important. It's got to go on first. The money, women's money in the bank. Yeah, you would have to you would have to put that on first to keep. I, I think that what you said is spot on. So to keep that going, you put that money in the bank ladder match on first, and then you have that going throughout the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to talk about that later on, but that is a, that is a nugget for later. 
Yes. And speaking of money in the bank, we have to talk about a random tag team match that took place on SmackDown a couple of nights ago. Because last week, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus found their way into the Money in the Bank ladder match as Adam Pearce blessed them both into the ladder match. And then Paul Heyman lets us know that, you know what? This last man standing match between Brock and Roman Reigns at SummerSlam could lead to a vulnerable champion, preferably my guy. I don't want him to lose, but he will be the weakest one after going through such a grueling match. And I thought to myself, is Paul really going to ban a cash in? Thankfully, that did not happen. But his logic is still loopy when he told Adam Pierce to please reverse your decision of giving Sheamus and McIntyre automatic buys into the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Instead, they would fight for their shots in a tag team match if they can coexist against the undisputed WWE tag team champions, the Usos. And it was a very good main event. We had the Street Profits on commentary, calling the action. And we did have moments of Sheamus and McIntyre not working well together, but ultimately they did when Drew McIntyre wiped out Jimmy with the Claymore kick to advance himself and Sheamus to the Money in the Bank ladder match officially. I'm glad they're both in, but I do question the logic of Paul Heyman's decision making by saying, hmm, should we make this a bit harder for both guys, even though at the end of the night, somebody's going to cash in the briefcase regardless if it's Drew McIntyre or Sheamus. So I didn't understand the strategy. I thought it was a way for WWE to kill time to give both men a fair shake into the matchup. But I just thought that Paul's plan was faulty when in reality, Sami Zayn had the far superior plan as being Mr. Money in the Bank that freaked out Paul Heyman even more, Scott. Yeah, that, that's a nice storyline thread they have going with Sammy and the bloodline and his his explanation of, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't cash in on Roman. I'm, I'm doing this to protect Roman. I'm doing this to protect the tribal chief. Uh, as far as the 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 logic of it does not make sense because it's like, well, you know, the, you know, you have to team up and beat the Usos. I will say this is one of the few times where the Usos have actually, you know, they've been protected pretty well to the point where a win over them does actually kind of feel like it means something. Like, okay, because they, they don't lose on TV that often and as a tag team, as a tag team. They don't lose on TV that often. So that's a good thing they have going for them. Whenever Drew McIntyre, they decide to move him out the main event scene, whenever they, I would I would love for him and Sheamus to have a short run as a tag team. I, I just think they have a good chemistry. They're both these bruisers. It'd be a nice change of pace for Drew to give him something different to do because I think it's always important to keep main event guys fresh, giving them something different to do. And if you ever wanted to turn Sheamus' face and have Butch and, and Riz just turn on him, you have an easy partner he can run to or who will come to his aid because that's what a good guy does. So I know it's a completely side note, but I would love for those two at some point down the road to get a short run as a tag team. I agree. I do. And, um, you know, it was a nice way to fill time. I miss those days of them being a tag team. And this was a very nice way to end the show and a nice time killer. As we now segue to Jeremy's thoughts on this main event match involving Seamus, Drew McIntyre versus the Usos with some Street Profits shenanigans as well. I uh, I was watching the show and I saw where it was going with uh, Pierce telling them, oh, hey, there's a catch. And, you know, like, oh, come on. And then I realized I'm watching WWE pro wrestling television. So just go with it. And then they announced the match of Sheamus and Drew versus the Usos. And I'm like, oh, that's a party match. Let's do that. <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm, I'm here for that. And then I had the next thought of like, 
Drew re- really needed to get rid of that sword. That sword is an albatross around his neck. They think it looks cool, but it doesn't. Just get rid of it and <laughs> just get ready to give him an accoutrement of a belt at some point. But let's get that sword out of the way. As for the match, having Butch and Rich Holland and the Street Profits and Sheamus and Drew working together, they, like Scott said, they're a great team. I don't know how short of a run, how long of a run, but definitely at some point, like giving them a good little uh, program as another tag team. This was, as you call it, a party match. I had a great time watching it. It wasn't my favorite match of the week, but it was definitely in competition for it. Oh, yes. A very, very great, really, really fun match to wrap up SmackDown. Another good show. Another string of good SmackDowns from WWE heading into Money in the Bank. And now it's time to talk about the premium live event itself going down this Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a game of who should and will win the Money in the Bank ladder matches for the men and women. So, Jeremy, you are up first. Who should win both briefcases and who will win both briefcases? Someone on the raw side should win the men's Money in the Bank briefcase. I do not believe that they have that person on uh, booked yet for the show. Uh, just the logic of it all, you could do a... SmackDown guy and have Roman eventually lose the title and be on Raw because they could afford to have him more part-time over there. Who should win is that? Who probably will win is Seth Rollins. Uh, as for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, because there's a, I'm positing a Raw guy winning, I'm going to go with a SmackDown woman uh, winning the Money in the Bank match there. So that would leave Lacey Evans or Raquel Rodriguez or Shotzi right now. Oof. My... My head says Lacey Evans, but my heart says Raquel Rodriguez. But I'm not sure who that TBD could be. I think they're going to announce it on Monday because they're going to have everybody there next Friday. But that's my guess. All right. Solid guesses. And I got to call out WWE for one thing. So I'm watching SmackDown on Fox and they advertise next week's show in Phoenix, Arizona. And of course, WWE uses the big ass SAT word, a cavalcade of Money in the Bank contenders would be on SmackDown from Raw and SmackDown. A cavalcade, you say. God. That's a, that's but a anyway, big word for them. <laughs> a big word, a cavalcade of stars coming your way next Friday in Phoenix. So, Scott, who are your picks to win the Money in the Bank ladder matches this Saturday on Peacock? I, I think I'm... I think I'm going with Rollins because I I think he cashes in on Brock and Roman. Let me just kind of recreate the WrestleMania 31 moment and we get one of the titles and that's going to be the loophole there. So Roman can keep his universal title reign until Cody takes it off of him. You think Um, you think Cody and Seth or Cody and Roman? I think Cody, I think they have to be building for Cody to be the guy to end the historic universal title run. But I could see Paul Heyman finding a loophole Mm. in Seth Rollins cashing in. So he only cashes in on the WWE title. Got it. So he would take that back to Raw. Roman can still be on SmackDown. Um, that's that's kind of where I see it going because I think it fits the story. Um, Seth has unfinished business with Roman too. As far as the women go, 
if it's not a returning Bailey, then I think Lacey Evans wins and she turns heel and and maybe cashes in on Ronda. And you know, that's maybe how we keep Ronda babyface and gives her something to do. Another name, man, I, I wish they were more behind Dewdrop. Like, I, <laughs> I would love for Dewdrop to have the briefcase because she's somebody who would be believable with that briefcase. Like, if she cashes in and she hits that splash, I 100% believe she's taking out anybody. Alexa Bliss would be a great one because she could talk her way through anything with the briefcase. <sighs> I don't know, man. That women's one is really wide open. and I And I don't mean that in a good way. Like, there's just not a lot of viable people to give the briefcase to. I, I the cook where the cook where Naomi and Sasha being gone really exposes the company's depth. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean who I mean where where do you even go? Like I I guess I'll go with Lacey I'll go with Lacey Evans. And and because I, I think she eventually has to be turning heel. I I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, you could have Lacey Evans uh, cash in on Natalia immediately after Ronda and then keep Ronda chasing. And you know what I mean? Like, you could do something like that. Um, They're going to want something to talk about the next night. And the only other thing that I can think about is because they're the last man standing match at the SummerSlam, that's a perfect opportunity for a cash in as well. So there's a whole lot out there in terms of where they could go and what they can do with all this stuff. If they didn't have Raquel coming out, you know, smiling away at every single thing that happened, <laughs> yeah, right? I, I would say like she would be perfect to just come in and destroy. And like 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 you said, come in during the Ronda Natalia match in the middle of it while they're both laid out from something and just destroy both of them and pin Natalia. She's and already, have she's already on had the that story of like I've come this right, beating right like Ronda. So like they've laid the groundwork if they want to pull the trigger there, but that's bold. That is incredibly bold and not like what they usually do in this scenario. I I th- I mean, like you said, they, they don't have the depth, and I think I think you can get something out of Raquel, and and it be believable right now, especially in the in the interim, and it gives Ronda something to do because I one thing I always like to think about is what comes next, right? So what does Ronda do next? What's what's after Natalia? What comes next? She's full time, right, Ronda? She she's not she's showing up every Friday, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So you could do whatever with her. She doesn't need to have the title. And in a lot of ways, her having the title doesn't do her any favors, even though she's the person that should be holding it. Because the depth of her challenger, rather than having her chase, uh, th- those are two disparate uh, factors. And one of them would play to her strength a lot better. All right. Very interesting picks from both of you guys. I got my picks as well. I do have a winner from Monday Night Raw, and I might be ballsy to have another winner for Monday Night Raw. I won't go there, but for the men's money in the bank briefcase, my pick is Seth Rollins. I think he would be the best guy to have that briefcase, cause some trouble at SummerSlam, and take a championship from Roman Reigns. As for the women's money in the bank ladder match, Scott gave me shivers when he suggested the Lacey Evans case because you said on this show just a week ago hell no to that possibility now you're going to predict this into existence I think not I will not have you try to gender mahal me after I tried to gender mahal you during the King of the Ring tournament last year no who's trying to shanky each other right now 
Yes, who's shaking who? Hey, this is def- this is absolutely payback for all this. Sh- and listen, hey, I'm not saying I want it to happen. Please, God, no. I told you, I am. I treat her like I treat the Warriors after the way she bamboozled me with those crocodile tears. And <sighs> let me talk to you or whatever the freak she was saying before she got started. So okay, here we go. There it is. Five there it weeks. Is. That's it. Five weeks of. Okay, here we go. She bamboozled <laughs> me because she got me those first two weeks. I was like, we got something. She would she would heal to me by week three of that because anyone who does public speaking, like you don't do those things. You you, you, you become unlikable. <laughs> you become unlikable. <laughs> so I don't want her to win, but I could just. I, I changed my pick though. I went with Raquel. I'm going with Raquel. I think they're going to end the smiling. I'm going with Raquel. I'm changing my pick. Thank you, because you tried it. Just despite me, Lacey Evans. Please. No. So thank you for being honest with your pick at long last. Because you were a liar. Lacey Evans winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, I flip a table next week on this show. I'm just that glad that Rhea Ripley wasn't a candidate for a Money in the Bank or a Royal Rumble. Because every time that Rhea Ripley is an option, I just pick Rhea Ripley. And so I'm, I'm really glad that that was off the board. I would have picked her too. Yeah, right. Who else, I mean, what else? Who else are you gonna pick? The options are limited. Right. <laughs> All right, now back to my pick for the women's men's <laughs> big winner after Scott. Sorry, Kira. Sorry. I'm sorry, that's my fault. Listen, I'm so sorry. Because he scarred me, so I have to get back on track here and pick the proper winner here. And it ain't, and it's not Lacey Evans. Thank God for that. So my pick would be Shotzi. This will be a moment for her to truly break through. If she can safely do crazy shit from the ladder, we have not had crazy Shotzi on the main roster since her days on NXT. If she's able to break through via this match, it would be fantastic. My secondary pick would be Liv Morgan, but they won't go there. So my primary pick will be Shotzi to have a moment, breakthrough, win the briefcase and hopefully be a star because she has what it takes if they give her a fair opportunity. And yes, I still miss her goddamn tank. So you think this is her big Shotzi? <laughs> okay, Rhonda Jr. <laughs> Does Shotzi deserve a title Shotzi? Perhaps. <laughs> if she wins, we just all yell Yotzi. <laughs> <laughs> Some well, shit Rhonda would actually say to you. Hey, you know. She would say that. That's pretty good, though. <laughs> but she talks about charisma, though. Okay, sis. Okay, you. All right. So after we have recovered from Scott's moment of misjudgment on picking Lacey Evans as Miss Money in the Bank, we've recovered from that. Now we got to talk about our professional wrestling match pick of the week from WWE, the best damn thing we've seen from WWE TV. So, Jeremy, You've been teasing a bit about your favorite match from WWE TV this week. So which is it at long last? My favorite match was three minutes on Friday night when Gunther retained his title against Ricochet. It was a lovely dismantling. And yes, at one point, Ricochet was listed as the number two babyface on the SmackDown side. But alas, no longer. Alas, it is the time for Gunther. It is the time for the championship that he held. And it is time for him to have a winning streak longer than the tribal chief Roman Reigns. And it starts now. Ooh, I would love to see it. Our dream scenario we've talked about on the show a lot in the last few months. So, Scott, what is your favorite match from WWE this week? 
jerk off Jensen and big boy <laughs> big boy Briggs winning the UK tag titles. I mean, who who doesn't enjoy twenty minutes of those guys duking it out? You know, um, God, gotta give them a hand, it. dude. They did it. <laughs> they, they they got a they got the the right hand of Jensen, <laughs> the, the glorious right hand of Jensen. Um, They're gonna milk that title reign for all it's worth. Oh boy, they uh they got a stroke of good luck with Jensen there, huh? Um, so I, you know, I, I think it was probably for me. I thought this was kind of a a weaker week as far as matches, and maybe that's because of last week just having that great Riddle Roman Reigns match. Uh, but for me, it was Oscar Becky Lynch. They mm. they don't miss. Um, and the, and the, actually, the next closest was that Shinsuke Sammy match. I really enjoyed that opener too. Um. But Jeremy, yours is great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the dismantling, as you called it, of Ricochet. Gunther looks great. And I'm I've completely I'm okay with the Gunther name now. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I don't even think about Walter. He is Gunther. It just took time. Like, we could all be angry, we could all be whatever, but this is how it's going to be. And we can either pick and moan or just move on. And I'm happy because getting the push on SmackDown, they realize the talent in Gunther about damn time. Push him as a monster. Let's have that title defended on pay-per-view, shall we? We're still waiting. It's been 15 months since last year's WrestleMania, since that title has been defended on a pay-per-view. Change that, WWE. Let Gunther kick ass on a monthly basis on pay-per-view. And my pick of the week is something that Scott mentioned. I'm going to go with Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura, a really strong opener to SmackDown in a Money in the Bank qualifying match. And that finisher was spectacular because Nakamura made a dumb decision because he had Sami laid out with the Kinshasa all you had to do was get your ass back in the ring, win via count out. No, let me grab the dead weight of Sami Zayn. Let me get him back in the ring. Let me go for the pinfall. And Sami woke up and he lit that man up with a halluva kick in the corner. The camera shot, the execution of the move, the finisher was outstanding. So therefore, for that alone, that is my go-to WWE match of the week. Can't argue with that. Yes, and with that, this is a wrap for all things WWE as we talk about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and even NXT UK because Brooks and Dunn sullied that brand by becoming the NXT UK Tag Team Champions. It was Brooks Jensen in his hand that did the heavy lifting in more ways than one, and we have to live with that for now. But as always, I want to thank Scott, Salty Scott Young, and Jeremy Feinstone for joining me as always, chopping it up with all things WWE. Oh, Keela, Keela, Keela. I, uh, we got beef <laughs> at the, at the least for another week. We, we got beef. So, um, but it's, it is a pleasure chopping up and I'm, I, Jeremy, I'm, I'm glad you were here, man. I don't, don't wait, you know, six months. to come back. <laughs> Do you mind if I throw out a couple of cheap plugs for some other stuff coming up? Sure, go ahead. All right. So this will drop on Monday. The night before it drops on YouTube will be a special uh, speaking of power bombshells covering the Forbidden Door event. And that will also be something you can find on YouTube. In addition to that, I have a new show on YouTube that covers New Japan with Stephen Conway, also a frequent guest on this show. And we call that Speaking of Strong Style. It's every two weeks and we cover for about an hour, hour and a half all the big news happening out of New Japan. 
Fantastic. So that was a nice plug. Forbidden Door is happening in the past if this show drops before or after the show. And hopefully no card changes happens between now and then as this card has been cursed in a lot of ways. That's what we get for walking through the Forbidden Door. Bad things happen, but here's hoping for a very good show in Chicago tonight or whenever this show drops. It could be after the fact. We shall see. But thank you for joining us as always covering all things WWE. We'll be back next Sunday covering money in the bank the late night edition late saturday night early sunday morning as we will go through all of the shenanigans from las vegas nevada so for myself for jeremy and salty scott young that is a wrap (laughs) i hate basketball this is all stemming from this is all stemming from basketball and i hate it oh the banter continues even as we go off the air (laughs) 